2008, Swansea Council had a problem that uh, there were big lorries that were basically going through a residential area to get to the local ASDA. And so they figured out they needed to put a sign up basically saying uh, no goods vehicles. So the sign that they wanted to put up said this, no entry for heavy goods vehicles, residential site only. But it was in Wales, and if you've ever been to Wales, you know that everything is bilingual, so every sign you see is in English, and then it's also in Welsh. So the Swansea Council, they sent an email to their in-house translation uh, department, uh, basically asking for this to be translated. And they quickly got an email back, and they formed this sign, and everything seemed like it was fine, and it showed that maybe there aren't loads of people in the Swansea area who speak Welsh, until a Welsh person looked at this and said, that does not say that. (laughs) In fact, what it says is nothing like that at all. What that says is, I am not in the office at the moment. (laughs) Send any work to be translated. (laughs) Yes, it was an auto-email reply. It's a shocker. And uh, a great example, I fear, of things that are lost in translation. And as we think about that, I want to think this morning that actually how the Christian faith has been lost in translation. You know, I I meet a lot of people uh, who uh, would say that they don't have a faith. And they usually say something like this. They say, I'm not a very religious person. And I always say to them, me neither. And And then they look at me really shocked. They're like, what do you mean? And I say to them, well, like, here's what I've discovered. Like, Jesus has absolutely no interest in religion whatsoever. That Jesus didn't come to establish a religion. He came to re-establish a relationship with God. That's what he's all about. And what we're going to look at this morning is a story of a man who was really longing for that relationship, and yet he didn't, he didn't really know it. He was longing for life. And you'll find it, if you've got a Bible, turn it on, or uh, open it up, or it, this will also be on the screens if you're a guest. And it's Matthew chapter 19. And, uh, and what we're going to see in this story is how Jesus basically challenges this whole thing of religion and, and invites us to embrace a relationship that will bring life, and not just any life. But an anything is possible kind of life. An anything is possible kind of life. So here it is, Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 to 26. It says, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. He's referring to God. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these things I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give them to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad, because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. 
When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Anything is possible with God. Amen? Now, uh, you'll see if uh, you look later that this story is told in all three of the first Gospels. In the New Testament, it begins with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And all of those four Gospels are basically biographies of Jesus' life told through uh, different authors, different accounts, different bits of research. And this story that we read in Matthew 19 is also told in Mark chapter 10 and Luke chapter 18. And when you harmonize all those stories together, essentially we know four things about this rich young ruler, as is the title. The first is, as I've just said, he is rich. Verse 22 says he's got great wealth. Uh, The New Testament is written in, in a Greek language, and the word that's used here literally means staggering wealth. And not just money, he's got land, he's got property. This guy is loaded. Secondly, we're told that he is young, we read that word and literally probably somewhere between 18 to 30, he's in the prime of his life. If you look at Luke's account, Luke is the one who uses this word ruler. It, it literally means someone with great status and authority like a commander in chief. He might even have been a prince. And the fourth thing that we observe about him is actually he has got religion. He's like, what commandments do I need to keep? And so here's this guy. He's rich. He looks good. He's got status. He's got fame. He's got loads of money. And he seems to be pursuing a faith religious life. And yet, friends, something is missing. Because he comes to Jesus. Because he's heard that maybe Jesus is a good teacher. And, he's, and he says to Jesus, how do I get life? Real, real, eternal life. Everything he has tried is not working for him. The actor Jim Carrey, he once said this, I hope that everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they've ever dreamed of and so they'll know that that is not the answer. And Jim Carrey is touching on something that we all know, don't we? In our heart of hearts. Like we know our life is full of highs and it's full of lows. We have great moments, we have tough moments, Uh, we have joys, we have laughter and we battle with to one degree or another at various moments we battle with worry and anxiety and fear and everyone on planet earth that's true for like i don't think there's anyone in this place this morning who is perfect okay the silence proves it none of us are perfect and, and everyone on the earth is searching for that silver bullet that thing that if i just found that if i just got that then i would feel like i have life Blaise Pascal, that famous uh, mathematician, he, he said that maybe the answer is in God. He says, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God, the creator, made known through Jesus. Thousands of years before he wrote that, Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived, uh, he wrote this in Ecclesiastes 3.11. He said, God has planted eternity in the human heart. And what he's saying is, deep down, whether we know it or whether we like it, there is something longing for a life that only God can fulfill. That's what he's saying. That's what maybe we're pursuing, even if we don't know it. And that's what this guy is doing. And so if you read again Luke's version, what you'll find is he is desperate. He literally, he falls on his knees in front of Jesus. He is desperate and he says, 
Good teacher, tell me, how do I find this life? And the tragedy is, as we discover, that by the end of this story, he walks away sad. And there are lots of reasons for that, but I want to suggest to you this morning three reasons why he missed out on the life with God that he was looking for. And the first is this, that he wanted life at low cost. He wanted life at low cost. Did you notice the very, very first thing that he said is he said, what good thing do I need to do? I, he's saying to Jesus, like just well, one thing, just one thing that I need to do. I just, I just need to do the bare minimum. Show me the, just the one thing that I need to do that will bring happiness. And Jesus replies, well, do you keep the commandments? And do you notice what he says? He says, which ones? There are lots of them. Like, and there were lots of them. Like, surely I don't need to keep all of them. Just like, kind of give me three or four. And, and I'll just kind of keep with those. And, and, even, and even when Jesus says, well, okay, here's six for starters. And he's just like, yeah, I'm all good on those. And the reality is, as he comes undone, he's not as good as he thinks he is. Like, he wants life at low cost. He wants the bare minimum. I'll just do the bare minimum so I can get life. And, and actually, sometimes that's the danger of being a religious person, is you think, if I just kind of follow the rules and, and just do a few things, and, and, and if I just live a good life, then, then I'll be okay. But it's not working for him. If, if you read a few verses on, I didn't read them, you'll, you'll see after this rich man walks away that Peter, who's one of Jesus' disciples, he turns to Jesus, having seen this man walk away, not wanting life, only wanting to pay it at low cost. And then Peter says, but Jesus, we gave everything for you. Like we threw ourselves in fully for you. And Jesus smiles at them and says, and you have discovered life. Yes, you've made big sacrifices. Yes, you threw your lot in. And they did. They literally gave up their jobs and they just followed him. And Jesus says, you can read it there in the text later. Jesus says, but you've got life. And not just life now, but life forever and abundant. A hundred times better life when you throw yourself in. Like that, that's my experience personally, to be honest. Until the age of 17, like Bim was saying, like I, I was a Christian, I was a follower of Jesus, and I was coming to church regularly. But at the age of 17, I threw myself into it and my life changed. Because I discovered that when you throw yourself in, and, and don't do life at low cost, but give it your all, when you fully surrender, everything changes. I, I was in uh, Milton, uh, Milford-upon-Sea, uh, back in July, just for a few days, uh, staying uh, in a friend's place there. Beautiful place. Anyone ever been to Milford-upon-Sea? It's very nice. Very nice. And, uh, and it was in the height of the summer. The weather was fantastic. And, uh, and so I'd go for a walk along the beach. And uh, you know when you go to the beach, there are like three different types of people, aren't there? And see which way you fit yourself in here. So you have, you have those people who like never, ever go in the sea. They will go to the beach. They might even go on the sand, but they might not even do that because they don't want the sand in between their toes, you know. Uh, uh, but if they do it, but they'll never go in. It's too cold. It's too wet. We don't want to do that. So you get those. Any of those people in the house today? Yeah, come on. There's a few more of you out. Michaela's got her hand up. Okay. Now, then you get those people who paddle a bit. Okay, they're not fully going in. So they paddle. Maybe they'll go uh, ankle deep, maybe even knee deep. You know, and, and then you get that hilarious moment, don't you, when a big wave comes and then they're like, they're marching on hot coals, they're like, <laughs> or that even better moment when they turn around and they don't see a big wave coming and it knocks them over. <laughs> and in Jesus' name, you think, thank you, God, that was hilarious. <laughs> Why would you do that? It's not very nice. 
But then you get people, and it's usually children, isn't it? Who they just run in and they dive in and they, they, they surrender to the waves and the ocean and they just love it and they enjoy it. Is there anyone, anyone in the house like that? Yeah, there's a few of us. Well, when I was in Milford-on-Sea, I, I saw all this and it was a really, really hot day and I thought, I'm going I'm to go for it. I'm going to go for it. And, you know, I knew the sea was going to be cold. And it was hard to get to because there were lots of pebbles. But I got, I, I got to the, and I, and, I, and I went for it, and it was really cold. But then I literally, I jumped in, I went for it, went right under, and it, it was cold, people. <laughs> I mean, like, it was cold. Like, when I came up, I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Oh, it was, it was cold. But so I kept swimming, kept swimming. And then eventually, it didn't feel as cold. Like my body got used to it. And it, it was just amazing. It was just beautiful. Just being in this, this lovely water. And I could 360 all around me and, and see the land and out to sea. And it felt invigorating and it felt refreshing. But I had to surrender to the ocean. I had to jump in and give it my all. And what Jesus is wanting to get this guy to is to a place that says, give up everything and give it your all. Like throw yourself in and see what God will do as you search for the life that you've been longing for. Jump in. Jump in, God is saying to some of us today. Jump in, see what will happen. But that brings us to the next challenge. He wants life at low cost, but the second thing he wants, he wants life without letting go. And that's the challenge, isn't it? To then let go and really jump in. Uh, Andy and Alice, my, my son and his uh, wonderful girlfriend, they're both here today. They've just come back from a, an amazing holiday in Indonesia. And he was telling me, uh, they were showing us some photos. They, they went to various places and they went to this one monkey place, which I think you said had 700 monkeys in it. Is that right? 749 monkeys. <laughs> Not 700. Those extra four. 749 monkeys roaming free. Roaming free. And, uh, and like, you know, they're scurrying all over the place. And they are very fast, aren't they, monkeys? Very fast. But actually, I'm sure you know, and I told this uh, a few years ago, monkeys are actually very easy to catch. Do you know that? How to catch a monkey? So monkey catches, what they do, they, they, they realize that the way to catch a monkey is you get a, a big jar that's that wide at the bottom, and then the, the little entry bit into the jar, the funnel, is very thin. Just enough for the monkey to put, just about get its hand through. And so the, the monkey would do it, and then they would put sweets or something really nice inside the jar. So monkey goes by, uh, the monkey goes, mm, sweets, and uh, puts its hand through, grabs the sweet, and then can't get its hand out. And, and, so, and so, as we can see in the picture, so, and, and so then the monkey catcher starts to walk it. And now you would think at this moment, the monkey is looking and saying, uh, if I don't let go of the sweets, he will catch me. Monkeys are obviously stupid. So you won't let go, and then they get caught. They are so easy to catch because they won't let go. They're so easy to be enslaved and imprisoned because they won't let go of what they think will bring them life, but actually it will enslave them. And here we have this story. This guy's on his knees and he's saying to Jesus, Jesus, tell me one thing I should do. Please tell me. And he's been through the, yes, I do all the commands. And so Jesus looks at him. And by the way, if you read Luke's story, it says he looks at him and loves him. Because whether you stick your fingers up at Jesus this morning, I want you to know that he still loves you. And he will, you can walk away from him today. He still loves you. It's a lovely little verse. So this guy is on his knees. And so, like, tell me one more thing, Jesus, that I must do. 
And Jesus goes, okay, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you can imagine that moment, can't you? The guy's like, what? <laughs> what? 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 Sell what? Everything and give it to the poor? Can I just invest it in something? Like, what? 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 Let me just stand up here for a second. Like, you know, I came to you because I heard you were a good teacher. You are a rubbish teacher, Jesus. If that is your plan, sell everything and give it to... What are you thinking of? I'm going to do what I've always done. I will figure it out myself. And then he leaves and goes. What a tragedy that two things got in the way. Because this guy's got his hand in the monkey trap. He's holding on to two things that if he would just let go, he would have the life that he is longing for. And the two things are his pride and his possessions. Like at the surface level, the possession things are obvious, aren't they? You know, if you're here this morning, you're like, well, I don't know if I want to follow Jesus, if he's going to tell me to sell everything. Well, Jesus only said that to this guy because Jesus knew that his possessions, his wealth, his stuff had become like toxic to him. It had become like an addiction to him. He was placing all of his trust in that. It was like he's saying, if I don't have these things, then my life will be over. And, and Jesus was saying it to him because he loved him. And it was like, let those things go and trust me. I know you need food on the table. I know you need a job. I know you need all those things. And, and if you trust me, I'll take care of you and provide for you. But you've got to let go of thinking that those things will get you through his possessions, but at a deeper level, he battled with a thing that we all battle with, which is our pride. Have you noticed throughout this story, he keeps saying, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? Over and over again, you see this guy, he's bought into the lie that he's going to be his own personal saviour. That he thinks, like, I, you know, I, I'm going to figure this out for myself. And it's not going to work. And so that's ultimately what Jesus is challenging. And so when Jesus says, only God is good, what he's essentially saying to this guy, this guy doesn't hear it, is, you are not as good as you think you are. If only God is good, and you agree that only God is good, that means that you are not perfect. And when Jesus says to the guy, keep the commandments... Trust me, Jesus is not saying it because he wants the guy, like, that's it, because that's religion. What Jesus wants the guy to get to a place is where he realises that he cannot do it. What he's hoping is, as Jesus says, keep the commandments, he's looking for this guy to say, that is impossible. Because none of us are powerful enough and none of us are perfect enough to live that exemplary life where we can do life well without hurting ourselves or hurting other people and keeping a distance between us and God. That's, that's what Jesus is saying. And that's why he uses this crazy metaphor about a camel and an eye of a needle. Like, did you know that Jesus is funny? Because like, this is funny. All right, there are some people who said, oh no, the eye of a needle is a little gate in Jerusalem. I don't know if you've ever heard that. That's rubbish, by the way. That's just not true. Like, like this literally is Jesus being funny. Okay? It, it's like, that's not going to work, is it, people? He's being funny and he's being serious because he is saying, it is impossible for you to save yourself. You can't do it. 
So let go of your possessions, but more importantly, let go of your pride. Get to that humble and it's excruciating place where you get to that honesty, where you say, I'm not powerful, I'm not perfect enough. I may be a good person, but I, but I know ultimately I'm not good enough to fix everything, heal everything, bring wholeness, experience peace. I just can't do that. That's what Jesus is trying to get into that place of saying, stop trusting in your stuff and stop trusting in your self. Trust me. Jump in. Jump in. He wants life at low cost. He wants life without letting go. And the final thing is he wants life without the life giver. He comes to Jesus and he's looking for some advice because he's heard that Jesus is quite wise. But this morning, friends, here's what I've discovered. Jesus has not come to be your life coach. He's come to be your life giver, to give you life. And again, when Jesus says that little line, um, like, why, do you, you know, why do you say good? Only God is good. He's also saying to this guy, you don't know what you're saying because you don't know who you're seeing. You don't know who I really am. Because if you knew who I really am, was, is, are, you know what I mean? If you knew it, then you wouldn't be asking for advice. You would be just asking for me to be part of your life, the life giver. You see, when you look at those first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're called Gospels. It's a word that literally means good news. But friends, the good news is not a book. The good news is not a message. The good news is a person. Jesus Christ is the good news. He is the good news that we are longing for. He is the life giver. And, and, and the whole story of this book is all about ultimately pointing to him, God's only son. We, you know, the reason we've called ourselves Zio Church is because I said Zio means passion. And we are passionate about Jesus because we believe that Jesus alone is the life giver. That he gives life. That, that I, I believe that if you look at it, if you have an open mind, if you look at this whole thing, that the evidence of creation, the evidence of history, the evidence of two billion people around the planet, the evidence of my own personal experience, you will discover that overwhelmingly, beyond all reasonable doubt, God doesn't just exist, friends, but he created us and he knows us and he loves us. And he's proved that he loves us so much by literally breaking into human history 2,000 years ago and becoming a man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And Jesus shows us what a perfect human life looks like by the way that he lived. He brought life by what he did and what he said and where he went. People felt amazing around him except the religious people, mind you. But he didn't just come to be our role model. He kept saying in a way that's mysterious perhaps that he came to die. And, and, and his whole death on the cross, which is, which is mind-blowing to think about it. He said, I've come and all of those things that bring darkness and death into our lives. The things that we think, the things that we say, the things that we do that we know bring darkness and death into our life. Some of the experiences and the suffering and the sickness that we've, that we've had. The, the cross of Christ is a 
about Jesus absorbing all of that onto himself, taking on everything, including physical death himself on the cross, beaten and tortured and executed. And if that's the end of the story, it would be a rubbish story. But we believe that, again, the overwhelming evidence beyond reasonable doubt is that this same Jesus, three days later, he rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he defeated everything that he took on the cross, including death itself. He is the life giver, friends, because he died and he conquered death and he offers us that restored relationship with God, reestablishing it with God, forgiveness, a new beginning. In my experience, it is Jesus alone who brings peace to the anxious and hope to the hopeless, love to the loveless. He's away in the wilderness. He comforts the grief-stricken. He is so much of all that we need if we would just come to the life-giver, the one who gives us life, if we would be open to do that today. And as we do that, I'm not saying that you will have a trouble-free life. That's not the promise. Jesus himself said, life will be hard. Bad things will happen. But what he promised is he would always be with us. And he would help us come through. And he promises, you know, lots of people say to me, if God really loved us, then why doesn't he deal with all the suffering in the world? And my friends, he will. There is a day coming when Jesus will come back and he will get rid of all that is wrong and broken and sickness and suffering in this world and he will renew it. And those who wanted to be with him will be with him for all eternity. And those that didn't won't by their own choice. He is the life giver both now and for all eternity, which means that you can say, and this is my own testimony, you can say, life can be really hard sometimes, but I've discovered that God is really good. Even when there's darkness, he brings light. Even when there, it feels like death, he brings life. That's my story. That's my testimony. I've experienced it personally. Is that true of anyone in this house this morning? That's what he does. But you can't get it. If you want it at low cost. Because he says, come on, jump in. You can't get it if you refuse to let go. Because he says, come on, surrender. Give up. Trust me first. And all the other things that you long for. Trust me for those things. And you, ultimately, you can't get it without the life giver. You can't get it. So how do we respond to this uh, this morning? And for some of us, maybe you, know, you would say you are a person of faith. And... And my encouragement to you is make sure you've rejected religion and you're embracing relationship. But make, make sure that you're not just trying to you know, live by him, keeping the commands and stuff. God will help you do that, but as you surrender to him. That there are some of us who are miserable people of faith because we're kind of, we've got a foot in and we've got a foot out. And Jesus is saying, come on, jump in, surrender, see what I will do, have a go. But I want to speak to those of you who are not people of faith this morning, just before we uh, have a final song. And I want to invite you to think about, well, you've got four, four responses that you can make today. Response number one, you could say, not for me, Matt, and that's fine. Because everyone's free to make their own choice. But the rest of you, maybe there's a big yes, a little yes, or a healthy maybe. And so the healthy maybe for you this morning might be, look, could you just keep your mind open a little bit? Uh, just, just to dare to see, maybe this stuff's true. Why don't you keep joining us on a Sunday? Why don't you keep being part of this? Don't make this an event. 
Like we're, we're all right to hang out with. We have fun. We're learning together, weeping together, laughing together. Why don't you embrace a healthy maybe and keep being part of this Zio Church community and see what God will do? Why don't you just commit even to four weeks? Come for four weeks in a row. See what might happen. A healthy maybe. Maybe there's some of us and it's a little yes. We're not fully ready to make a commitment, but we run this course called the Alpha Course. And, and it starts just in a week or so's time. You can find out uh, details in the, in the cafe area. And Phil, who runs it, he's in the welcome area. And that's like an eight-week uh, course. It sounds official, but it's not. It's eating some nice food, watching a little uh, video for about 20 minutes, and then talking about it in a, in a relaxed way. Like, do that as a, why not do that as a little yes? I know many of you have. But maybe today is a big yes for some people. Maybe you've been journeying in faith for a while and and thinking about this. And today is the day that you want to say, okay, God, I've still got questions, but I want to come to the life giver. And so I'm going to ask us all to stand and I'm going to pray that prayer. Let's do that and then the team can come up. And so for a moment in this final prayer, why don't we bow our heads And if you are a follower of Jesus in this house, good moment for you to be praying for those who aren't. And so in a moment, I'm just going to say a prayer, a big yes prayer. And the big yes prayer is simply this. This is what Christians say, and they say every day of their lives. We say, God, I am sorry that I've tried to sit on the throne and be the boss of my life. What was I thinking? You can do this better than me. You made me. You love me. Thank you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you died on a cross for me and you rose again so I could have the life that I was born to live, life with God for all eternity. And thirdly, help me. Would you help me every day? Fill me with your spirit and help me to follow you. And so I'm going to say that prayer in a moment. And as I do that, if there is anyone in this room who would like to be included in that prayer, I'm not going to do anything with you or anything like that. At the end, I'm going to invite you just to come forward so I can give you some things to encourage you in your faith either to recommit your life to Jesus afresh, to throw yourself in, or for the first time to invite Jesus to be part of your life. I'm going to ask you just for for literally 10 seconds to put up your hand. Is there anyone in this house this morning who wants to say a big yes to Jesus? And so let me pray. Father, thank you for this amazing morning that we've had. Thank you for all of these friends and family gathered today. Lord, may it be for some of us, perhaps, the beginning of an amazing journey to discover that you are real and you're with us and for us and we can be in a life-giving relationship with you. Lord, we are sorry for all the things that we've done that have caused pain. Forgive us. Lord, thank you that you love us and that you died and rose again so that we could be restored into relationship with you, both now and for all eternity. Would you help us every day to jump in to the amazing adventure of God? And as we do that, Lord, as we jump in and experience your goodness, may we share it with others. May we join in what you're doing, Jesus, which is seeing heaven invade earth, where darkness becomes light, where death becomes life, where anxiety becomes peace, wherever you're at work. Great things are happening. May we join in, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's sing together.